You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is episode 79 of season 3, episode 144 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show, published June 17th, 2021. This is actually going to be a bit of an unusual episode because I've never had this happen before, but I actually recorded an episode this morning that I just had to delete. And the backstory on it is I had to wake up a bit earlier this morning because I needed to get out the door a bit earlier, needed to get an earlier jump on the day. And so I recorded the podcast episode earlier than I usually do. And then editing, I did all of the same things that I usually do when it comes to editing my podcasts. But for some reason, this time around, my tried and true methods resulted in some clipped audio And I thought about it, I debated back and forth whether to try and retain that episode, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't retain that episode as it was with all of the clipping, the audio quality just wasn't good enough. So I ended up deleting it, and we're going to see. I'm going to re-record, it looks like there have been 10 listens to that episode today. And so if I re-record some of the same material and talk about this again a second time, it will be going over the same material for some people. But that actually might be interesting too. And I'll tell you why you folks who have already listened to the earlier version of this episode that I deleted. The reason why it might be interesting is because I listened back through this morning's episode And even besides the audio clipping, I wasn't in love with my tone. I wasn't in love with some of the ways that I talked about certain things. And we'll explain as we go, or I'll explain as I go, rather. But the long and short of it is that talking about this topic that we're going to talk about has a tendency to bring out strong emotions in me, bring out emotions that have uh, a very raw nerve sometimes for me with regards to work history, with regards to work situations that just didn't work out, right? Job situations where there was stress. There was a lot of stress. I was bringing a lot of stress home because my job was being threatened or it was just a hostile work environment or there were people that were abusive or toxic or just unpleasant and they made work life difficult and then I come home and I'm just not very good at not bringing home what I work with. If it's good things that I work with, then I try to bring those lessons home. But then if somebody is just trying to put you in a little bit of a trap where they are not being kind, they're not being courteous, they're threatening your job unnecessarily, unscrupulously, it 
is hard to grapple with that and think through it sometimes without doing that thinking through in your off hours. So you, if you're like me, you come home and you're thinking about the situation and you're trying to come up with a solution when you're not at work. If your job's already being put under the gun a little bit, the time that you're at work, you're trying to focus on doing an excellent job, right, to buy time. Especially if it doesn't quite make sense. You thought you were doing a good job anyways, and then all of a sudden you have these insinuations to to reckon with. You focus, if you're like me, I do anyways, I focus extra on trying to rise above, go above and beyond, get things done in an extraordinary way. And then when I get home, it's like, okay, well, I can relax. Well, no, I can't really, right? I can't even relax really at home because now I'm trying to think up a game plan for when I get back to work tomorrow or Monday. And I'm going to try and figure out the next time I have a situation like I encountered, how am I going to handle that differently? Can I handle it better? Can I turn that into a win? Or am I just getting bullied? Am I getting harassed? Am I getting picked on? And the only thing for it is to go somewhere else. So that introduces us to the topic. For those of you who did not catch the earlier version, if you even made it through the earlier version because it was so clippy and so choppy, I don't know why it was that way. I'm trying to close more programs in the background. I had some Bitcoin mining going on on my computer. I don't know if that was part of it. And I don't know if maybe the threshold for my truncate silence was set a little bit too high. Is negative uh, 38 decibels when it maybe should have been negative uh, 48 decibels or something like that, some some such. If you listened to that just part of the way through, because the audio was, you know, not the best quality or not the typical standard of quality that I have on this podcast, this is new to you. What I'm about to get into. So, either way, let's dive right in. I got an email from Andrew Seaman, editor at LinkedIn News, reaching out to people who he thinks can add informed perspectives about the ever-changing world of work. So he sends me this email. He says, hi, Garrett. My name is Andrew Seaman. I'm an editor at LinkedIn News. I reach out to people who I think can add informed perspectives about the ever-changing world of work. What did I tell you? The world is beginning to see some bright spots in its battle against COVID-19. As a result, many people are thinking of shaking up their careers as restrictions are lifted and economies improve. In fact, experts are predicting a great resignation due to people wanting to move on and try something new. What's your advice for people making a shift right now, whether it's landing a new job or making a career pivot? What's the best advice you've received when it comes to making a job move? And then he gives me some links. He says, click here to come to LinkedIn and share a post with your thoughts using hashtag TheBigShift, et cetera, et cetera. Best, Andrew Seaman, Senior News Editor, LinkedIn, yada, yada. So the earlier podcast this morning, the one that I recorded, I thought maybe I would record that. And if it was good, if it was good quality and I had some good thoughts to share, I'd go ahead and get that published and then come home this evening, get it turned into a WordPress post, and then share the WordPress post with the content to LinkedIn. I've never done that before. I've never shared a LinkedIn 
uh, link to my podcast episodes. But I thought, well, maybe I can do that with this. Well, then I listened back through it and I thought, no, I probably better not. I'm a little bit too fired up about the topic. But I guess that does tie in with what I think is going on here with this great resignation, so-called. It does tie in because that's not a good feeling when people feel like they're trapped. When people feel like they're stuck in a dead-end situation, like they're powerless, like they're voiceless, like they don't have an ability to positively impact their situation. It doesn't matter how hard they work. They are marginalized, threatened. There's a lot of people out of work and maybe other people are more desperate, more hungry, have higher qualifications. Um, You know, people you've worked with maybe have never really liked the cut of your jib. And so now here's their opportunity to switch you out for somebody that will take a lot less money per hour than you will because they're looking for work. They're out of work due to COVID. You know, that feeling of being under the gun, potentially, possibly, maybe, is not a good feeling. And coming off of this past year, certainly, this past year was not a great time to be making a job change. And so you have pent-up demand. You have a lot of folks who, if they were dissatisfied with their job anyways under normal circumstances and might have contemplated a change prior to covid COVID really just locked them in. It cornered them. And that feeling of being cornered is not a good feeling. I've been there before. I've been there particularly before I moved back to Montana in 2012 and got into oil and gas. I've been in that mindset of feeling trapped and feeling desperate for a better situation, desperate for a work environment in which I'm respected or I'm treated like a valuable member of the team and that there's room to move up. There's room to grow, to expand my horizons, to build a career and not just have a job, not just collect a paycheck. I think you've got 30 to 40%, according to experts, of people who have been feeling trapped for the past year, and they've had a lot of new policies thrown their way. And I'm going to try and talk about all this a lot more calmly than I was this morning. It was really early. And so anybody that heard that first version, they heard me all fired up, you'll notice a marked difference in this version of the analysis. But long and short of it is that it is a frustrating feeling. It's hard to, it's hard to talk about these things when it comes to your livelihood, when it comes to how you put food on the table for your family. If you're in my situation, for instance, you're the sole breadwinner. I am the sole breadwinner in my home. My wife stays home with the kids and she homeschools. And that's something early on in our marriage we discussed and we decided this is really important to us. Maybe not everybody agrees with it and maybe not everybody sees the value here. Maybe not everybody thinks that this is worth doing, but we do. We are really committed to this. It's a really important thing for us. It's a commitment we've made a long, long time ago. And by God's grace, we want to stay faithful to that. We want to stay true to that. But part of what's involved in that commitment to homeschooling our kids is that I've got to get after it, right? I've got to go out and conquer the world. I've got to go out and bring home that bacon. And anytime, 
in almost 15 years. November will make 15 years of marriage for Lauren and I. Any time in 15 years of marriage that I have felt like I wasn't sure where paychecks were going to come from in the coming weeks or months, that created a ridiculous amount of stress for me. I know it stressed out my wife, and so then that added to my stress as well because it's like, you know, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that we're in this situation where we're trapped. You know, and I'm stressed, so that stresses her out. And it becomes this vicious cycle, right, where I'm stressed, and so she's stressed. Well, she's stressed, so I'm stressed. And one big thing I would tell people in answer to Andrew Seaman's question, one big piece of advice I would give to people is don't be desperate, right? Desperate's not a good look. It's not a good place to be. However much you might not like your current situation, if you can avoid being desperate, you will be able to get yourself a better situation more easily than if you freak out and panic and get flighty. You know, if you can work with your current situation, odds are high you're only going to be able to work with that current situation, renegotiate things, rearrange things, adapt and overcome if you keep your wits about you, if you stay cool. If you're going to find a better job and you're going to move into a better job and make a transition, odds are high you're only going to be able to do that if you keep your wits about you, if you keep your head. If you're just looking for a change, any old change, you're that desperate, you might jump into another bad situation. And you might be even more be even more desperate, more anxious, more frustrated than you were before. And so that's not what you want. And if that's not what you want, and I don't think it is what you want, and it isn't what you should want anyway, then you've got to think about it. You've got to calmly take a deep breath. You've got to look at your options. And you've got to look at, do you have any options that would potentially give you more options? Do you have options that can create additional avenues of advancement or retreat from your current predicament? Are there ways to exit this no-win situation or to transform it into a win? Maybe it doesn't look like it's winnable right now, but if you move this around over here and you change up your approach to that, and if you rework it, reimagine it, you know, it might not be as bad as you were thinking. It might be worse than you were thinking. Who knows? But that's good to know, too. And it's good to realize that after calmly assessing the situation. Freaking out never helped anybody. Ask first responders. Ask firefighters, EMTs, police officers, law enforcement of various stripes. Ask military veterans. Freaking out does not make you more capable of handling a situation. It makes you less capable. But also, too, I think, broadly speaking, 30%, that's a lot. I mean, 30 to 40%, that's a third, conservatively estimating, of people indicating that they want to change jobs after the economy opens back up. Why is that? Well, it could be this was just a hard period of time, and they've got negative association with the pandemic and the stress of the pandemic and their work, maybe they freaked out over the past year and they've embarrassed themselves and they haven't performed up to their usual standards and they just want to hit the reset, right? They just want to go somewhere where they're not freaking out and where nobody knows that they freaked out, possibly. They want to go somewhere, start fresh, 
hit the reset, shake that edge of sketch. That could be the situation in some cases. I think it's more likely that with the way that companies locked down and sent people home and cut their hours and had them working from home and changed their policies drastically, all in the name of COVID, took away perks, took away um, you know, sometimes compensation, reduced compensation, reduced benefit packages, renegotiated everything. You have a lot of people, too, who feel like they were maybe not done right by. And it's just like on the employee side. An employee might abuse the COVID thing to get by with things that they normally, under normal circumstances, the old normal instead of the new normal, the old normal they wouldn't have been allowed to get away with. Just not showing up to work, calling in sick. You know, are you sick? Are you actually sick? Or, 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 or are you playing on the fear that people have that COVID might be a risk? So your employer is just going to say, ah, well, if you think you're sick, stay home. Go get tested. It'll be two weeks. But, hey, you get two weeks of being home, two weeks of being even paid by law, two weeks of vacation if you just didn't feel like coming in because you had a project with a deadline coming up. Employees are absolutely abusing that. And that could be also part of the 30% who are saying we want out. If you're working with a coworker who is milking this and sloughing and not pulling their weight, not carrying their fair share, not doing their share of the work, they make the same amount of money you do, and yet you're the one carrying the water and nothing's being done about it because of COVID, due to COVID. That can be a frustrating situation for people. That can be something that makes people want to look for another job. If management has been pushing things that mm, could be related to COVID, but probably aren't, it's a stretch to say that this is a change due to COVID and it's to the disadvantage of the employee, but then there's also the sense in which you should just be glad that you have a job and you're told you should just be glad that you have a job at least you still have a job. Uh, I think that only works for so long. That only goes so far before people reach their limit and they say, mm, no, no, you know, especially as the economy opens up. You know, that has an expiration date. That has a shelf life saying at least you still have a job. And you can't expect that employees who were told that on reasonable requests or questions or complaints or concerns at least you still have a job when something could have been done about it you can't really expect that those employees who felt like that was not the whole story it wasn't really the genuine explanation for why there was no action on this no movement on this those those employees remember they don't forget about it and get amnesia as soon as the economy opens back up a little bit and there's a little bit more flexibility, they don't suddenly forget. They remember. And when they have the option to go somewhere else, they might just. They might. 30% is a lot. 
I don't know that I would have expected it to be that high, but then there was a lot of insanity. I didn't expect the insanity of COVID the past year and a half to be high, as high as it was. So you get a lot of companies that pushed a lot of change and tried to radically overhaul the way they did business. And sometimes maybe it was because they were trying to combat COVID. Sometimes I think it was just because they were trying to keep up with the Joneses. In fact, I know it was because they were trying to keep up with the Joneses sometimes. Hey, we're going to cut costs here. Oh, well, yeah, but we're on the other side now. Why are we cutting costs here? Well, COVID. Uh, Is it COVID? Why didn't you cut these costs during COVID? Well, time's, time's ticking. The clock is running out. You know, we need to do it before we can't say due to COVID. Uh Hmm, okay. You know, there's concern right now, too, with inflation. And I think it's worth noting that government stimulus to private individuals, whether they're working or they're not, has driven up the cost of everything. Massive, massive spending bills from Congress have devalued the dollar relative to the goods you might typically buy with your money. And so as inflation is up and going up higher and higher every day, it seems, the cost of goods is more, the cost of everything is more. And what do you do if your overtime is cut for an extended period? What do you do if your hours are cut? What do you do if your wages are even cut to the point that you can't keep up with a rising cost of living? and the rate of inflation. What do you do in that scenario except at least consider, is this where I can make the most money? Can I move up here into a better situation or do I need to go somewhere else if I'm going to make ends meet in the new normal? I think that's also part of what's in this mix of the 30%. But again, I would advise, to answer Andrew Seaman's question, people who are looking to make a job change right now, a career shift, I would advise those people to not assume that the grass is going to be greener on the other side. It might, it might not. Not every change is beneficial. Not every change is actually progress. you got to look at the costs. you got to look at the details of the job description. Is it actually a move in the right direction, or do you just feel desperate right now to get away from where you're at? You might be right. You might be right that it is time to go, but you can't only look at the dollars and cents, and you can't only look at the stress of the moment. It might actually be a really good thing that 30% of the workforce is planning on resigning, changing jobs, going somewhere else, it might be a good thing in terms of putting people where they feel valued again. COVID, whether it was the employer or the employee or coworkers or customers or clients or what have you, COVID had a remarkable effect on people's sense of self-worth. It's impossible to deny that. If you were thrown out of work because you were, quote-unquote, a non-essential employee, how did that feel? Was that a high point in your self-esteem? 
history? Was that a high point in your feelings of worth and value on this earth when you were told you can't go to work because you're non-essential? I kept working the whole time through. I did get my hours cut, my overtime cut, which was to be expected. I'm thankful that I didn't lose my job. A lot of people in the oil and gas industry lost their jobs. A lot of people in the economy more broadly lost their jobs. And it was just eerie. It was just disturbing to go to work for a few months last year and see almost nobody on the roads. I kept going to work, and I was thankful for that again. But it wasn't like it had been, and it was eerie, and it was uncomfortable. But I can't imagine being somebody who was just told, stay home. You're a non-essential worker. It's too dangerous. You can't risk it. The governor's saying, lock it down. There's a list of essential industries and sectors and jobs, and you're not on it. Ow. Ouch. I mean, the rate of suicide, substance abuse, domestic abuse, the past year went through the roof. And it has everything to do with the unintended consequences, the collateral damage of telling people that they were non-essential. What you do for a living doesn't matter. The fact that you need to make a living doesn't matter. The fact that you need to be doing productive work doesn't matter. In fact, that work that you were doing that you thought was productive, that you took pride in, no, we don't really need that. Ouch. Wow. I mean, what do people do to keep themselves going through that? Well, I think one of the things that they do is they imagine or try to imagine a future in which they're doing something that is considered essential, that is valued. You know, you you imagine to yourself, I'm not valued now, I'm not appreciated now, but someday they'll see. Someday I'll have my big breakthrough. I'll make it big. I'll do that thing that everybody sees and just steps back and says, wow, we had no idea you could do that, right? Someday I'll finish my program or my certification or my project or my whatever. And then people will see, you know, they weren't so bad after all. We, we didn't know they had that in them. And I think this 30% of people that are looking at a job change, a career change, some of them probably were sitting at home for a good long while thinking, you know what, what I was doing for work, it really isn't what I want to do for work. You know, if I were to die due to COVID, would I want to die doing this job? Well, it's an important question. I think that's a fair question. However disruptive it is for employers, business owners, the economy, for people to be asking that question, I think it's a fair question. Is this really what I want to be doing with my life? Do I enjoy this? Am I passionate about it? Am I good at it? Right? Am I good at it? If I'm not good at it, maybe I should go do something I'm good at. Or maybe I should get good at something because I'm not good at this. This is not where my skill set lies. You know, those are all valid reasons to look for something else, to want to. I mean, you should, right? Imagine I was the guy that's supposed to go and change those light bulbs at the top of radio towers. 
and it pays ridiculously well, but I have a fear of heights. Am I the right person to take that job? Am I going to be good at that with acrophobia? No, that's not the job for me. How about snake wrangler? I'm going to be the guy that collects anti-venom. Collects venom from snakes so we can make anti-venom, I should say. I'm going to catch snakes, bag them up, take them back to the lab, back to the clinic, and milk those snakes for all the venom they've got. We're going to make anti-venom. Well, I hate snakes. I'm afraid of snakes. I don't want to work with snakes. That's not a good fit for me. That's not a good job for me. That's not something I'm going to be good at. No. No, 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 no. You know, if people prior to COVID were doing things just because, right? Because they had to. And then all of a sudden they're dealing with these existential questions of why am I here? What is my purpose? Do I belong somewhere? Am I good at something? How do I achieve that essential status? How do I put myself in a place where I'm going to be perceived as important and valued? I mean, yes, there's a compensation piece to that. There's a pay, there's money that helps to quantify the extent to which you're valued by society. But more importantly than the dollars and cents, I mean, all things being equal, your housing is paid for, your food is paid for, your clothing is paid for, you can pay for transportation, your utilities, all that. All that's taken care of. And you're not worried about money. All things being equal, how are you treated? How are you related to? How do you feel about yourself at the end of the day? Do you feel confident? Do you feel satisfied that you did a job well? And if you don't, then how do you get there? How do you pursue that? Should you pursue that? Why not? Right? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want that? If you're frustrated that you're not seeing that, you're not seeing that materialize either at all or at the rate you were expecting to or you're seeing yourself slide backwards on the compensation piece and the being valued piece, well, of course you're going to wonder, are you in the right place? Why wouldn't you? What sane person wouldn't wonder, should I be looking for something else? 30 to 40%, that's a lot. That's a lot. But my advice would be if you're miserable in your current job and you're not valued and you're not respected and you're not appreciated and you're not happy, if you can make a move and provide for your family if you've got one and provide for your own needs if you've got needs, which we all do, if you can make a move and provide for what you're responsible for in the process, then maybe you should look at that. Maybe you should do the comparison, do the pros and the cons, but maybe you should do that. Pros and cons are good, and not just from, again, from a compensation piece, but from a work environment piece, from the standpoint of work culture. Who are you going to be working with? Are those the kinds of people that you want to be influenced by day in and day out for years to come? Are those the kinds of people that you think you can influence? Or do they have any respect for you? If they don't have any respect for you, then maybe they don't have an interest in 
a relationship with you, no matter how long you're there. You know, I could be wrong, and I probably am, depending on whose situation you're looking at in particular, but I don't think that this is just people wanting to move on and try something new for the fun of it. I think that this 30 40% of people is related to the increase in substance abuse, domestic violence, attempted suicide, thoughts of suicide. I think this is related to that. I think people want to work in a place where they can build relationships. And what I mean by build relationships is I mean the people they work with, they can have at least a decent relationship with. may not be best friends, but if you can at least get along with these folks and there's a mutual respect, then it it can work. Uh, You also want to work in a place, I do, I think everybody does, where your relationships with other people outside of work are not sabotaged by your work situation. Not unduly sabotaged, I should say. You know, that is one of the issues with regards to oil and gas that I've heard here in Colorado, not so much in Montana, North Dakota, but here in Colorado, I've heard stories from one of our third-party contractors that they have a hard time getting and retaining young guys because these young guys come in, learn everything real quick, they pick it up, they're doing a fine job, and then they quit. And the reason they quit consistently is because their friends stop being friends with them because they work in oil and gas, because there's a stigma attached with the oil and gas industry, thanks to the Al Gores and the Greta Thunbergs and all of those people, the global warming alarmists, the skies falling chicken littles. But that's an example, right? You don't want to work in an environment where your relationship with people outside of work is impossible to maintain, especially when the people you care about. You want to have a work environment wherein you can still be a part of your friends and family's lives, not one in which it's so strained, right? It's so chaotic. It's it's so stressful. You know, that was one of the things my last job in Ohio before moving to eastern Montana. I worked for this freight brokerage firm, TQL, Total Quality Logistics, and Cincinnati, Ohio, and TQL was just very much not a good fit. There was a lot of dishonesty in the culture there, a lot of abusive ways of treating truck drivers and dispatchers and assistance to the freight brokers, and it was just not good. It was not a good environment, and I wasn't willing to act that way, treat people that way, which painted a target on my back because it's like, hey, you are a chump. You don't play by the rules that we all have agreed to play by and we find that threatening and so now we're going to be hostile and unpleasant to you well now not only am I going to have a hard time developing a relationship with the people that I work with in that kind of a situation but I'm also going to have a hard time when I go home again at the end of the day because I've been around this toxicity all day and I've been excluded and marginalized and ostracized and you know told you I just don't see you being successful here 
Yeah, I'm going to come home and I'm going to be thinking about that, right? It's, I'm going to bring that stress home. As much as I don't want to, I got a wife and four kids at that point. I got a wife and four sons that I need to provide for. And now I'm going to come home and it's going to negatively impact my confidence, my mental health, my emotional health, my ability to relate confidently with my peers outside of work too. And good friends, good family, a good wife, like I have a good wife, will tell you, you know, you should really look for something else. You don't need to be treated that way. They shouldn't be talking to you that way. They shouldn't be treating you that way. They shouldn't be doing you the way that they're doing you at that place. You deserve better. That's not right. Good family, good friends will encourage you and help you if they're able to find something that's a better fit and find something that's healthier for you. They'll desire your well-being and your best interest will be in their heart. And so look to the people who care about you. Ask them. Don't do this alone. You know, Andrew Seaman asks what advice I have for people that are part of this great resignation. I would say talk with the people who care about you, who know you, and get advice. You know, what do you think about this, right? Is this too far gone? Is this a situation that I'm in right now? Is it too far gone? Or do I still have options that I could exercise to try and manage the situation? If it's too far gone or there's these other opportunities, what do you think? Is that a good fit for me? Is that, you know, how would you handle this? Whatever, right? Like get advice, get counsel. There's safety in a multitude of counselors, as the Proverbs say. Another thing I would say too, and this is just an observation, I don't think that this is only a quote-unquote great resignation. From an employer's standpoint, yes, that's a great resignation. A whole bunch of people are just going to quit and go somewhere else. And now, congratulations, you are looking for new people. And you're fortunate, I suppose, in that so many people quitting their jobs. Now there's all these people out there looking for jobs. And if you're looking for somebody to do the job, you might just be able to find somebody. But all the same, the other aspect to this is that it's not just a great resignation. It's a great renegotiation. This is a whole lot of people, a whole huge part of our economy's workforce, personnel, people, men and women, renegotiating the terms on which they are employed and compensated and regarded. This is an opportunity to say, here's what I want. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm capable of. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I need from you. And to renegotiate. And so you job seekers, you need to be good at negotiating. And if you don't know how to negotiate, you need to figure it out. Learn how to be a good communicator. Read uh, Stephen Covey's book, Crucial Conversations. Read about how to sit down and talk with somebody very candidly about the concerns that you have. Get good at that. What do you have to lose? You know, if you say nothing, if you don't say, hey, these are my concerns, then you've got a lot to lose because you can't have things get better if you're not willing to talk about it, if you're not willing to take the risk of bringing it up. 
And be calm and be respectful. Don't be all fired up like I was when I first recorded this podcast this morning. Some of my analogies were a little bit too colorful, maybe. But be a good negotiator. Be respectful, be calm, but be confident. Be clear on what it is that you want. Is that a good thing that you want? Okay, well, what does it take to make it happen? Right? What do you need to see from me in order to make X, Y, and Z profitable for you? To make that attractive, to make it reasonable, to make it realistic. Ask that of a current employer before you throw in the towel. Unless you feel like you can't, unless you feel like you know, right? You know that that conversation is a dead end. You've tried to have that conversation before. They shut you down. They have no interest. It's done. And then at that point, at a minimum, have that conversation with a prospective employer. Somebody hits you up, recruiter, looking for people to fill this job. They want to talk with you. They ask if you have any questions. There you go. There's your intro. There's your in. Ask the questions. Hey, what about this? What about that? I see this in your job description. It seems a little bit vague. Can you explain that a little bit more? I don't think I meet these criteria. Is that going to be a problem? Right? Here's where I want to go in my career. Is that something that you and your company would be supportive of in the future? Or do you have zero interest in helping me to advance my goals. You just want to use me and think about me as a person as little as possible, right? Those are good questions. Those are good questions to ask. Don't be afraid to ask them nicer than that. Don't ask it like I just asked. I just asked it in a very snarky way. Don't walk into an interview. Pro tip, I've been in a number of interviews in my life. Don't go into an interview asking, are you... Are you interested in my personal development or are you just using me? You know, do ask if they would be supportive of your specific goals, right? Here are my specific goals. And I'd like to know if there's a way I can pursue those goals as part of my working for and with you. You know, ask it that way. Ask it in an even-handed, respectful, polite way, not in an accusatory, snarky way. But ask it because that's important. You know, is this, is this a future or is this a dead end? Is this a hole that you're falling into? You don't want that. If you're changing jobs, that's why you're trying to change jobs is because you already felt like you were in a hole. So why would you jump from one hole into another? Try to think forward. Okay, five years of doing X, Y, and Z. I'll have five years experience in this. And then that helps me to get where I want to go. Or... Hey, I'm really good at this task and I can comfortably do this job indefinitely and set it on cruise control almost while that frees me up and facilitates my pursuing some other sidebar interest. In my case, I have a family. I'm very interested in raising my children and being there for my wife and loving my wife, spending time with her. I'm very interested in writing and podcasting. And so... At least for the majority of my career in oil and gas, a flexible schedule has dovetailed very nicely with writing and podcasting. Now, that isn't always the case, and I get kind of frustrated when it isn't, 
But that's important. That's an important thing to know. What is your thing, right? You need your evenings free on these days of the week because you're involved in church or you've got a band or you play sports or whatever. These are obvious things, but I say them because sometimes when people are freaking out, they don't think about the obvious things. They think just in terms of fight or flight. I'm either going to get all puffed up and start punching or I just, I got to get away. I got to get out of here. I got to get out. I got to go. Where are you going? Well, I don't know. I just got to get away from here. Well, hold on a second. Calm down. Slow down. I hope that answers your question. Anybody that's listening, hopefully this has been a much calmer and more laid back treatment of the topic and the issue. Uh, Do me a favor. Any of you 10 who happened to get to the previous version of this episode before I listened back to it and caught the bad quality of the audio, hit me up. Let me know what you thought. If, uh, If you like this version a lot better, audio quality issues aside, I'd be interested. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on how I treated the topic in the morning podcast versus the evening, because right now it's evening. Right now my whole family's going to bed. It's about time for me to hit the hay. But, yeah. As always, thank you for listening. Till next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.